nations, God sits on his holy throne. Our God, the most high God, doth rule in the kingdom of man. He raises up kings and rulers cast down, appointing all boundaries and times. The power he gives to whomever he will, but he has not control from on high. God reigns over the nations, God sits on his holy throne. Our God, the most high God, doth rule in the kingdom of man. The proud he collapses the holy of what he demands. The nations who willingly humble themselves will be the dominions that stand. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Our God, the most high God, doth rule in the kingdom of man. From a mountain cut up without hands, this kingdom will never be conquered. Against it, hell's gate shall never prevail, its throne will be left to no other. God reigns over the nations, God sits on his holy throne. Our God, the most high God. God's power and God's throne. I mean, those are topics that show up from pretty much the very first page of the Bible. I mean, the book of Genesis starts with, in the beginning, God created. I mean, how much more powerful could you get? And as you read through that first chapter, you find out that God speaks and it produces everything around us. I mean, it's amazing to think about that type of power that he has. It also makes sense that he sits on a throne. You know, that he is the one who's in charge. He is the, the king above all kings. And in this video and in this, this lesson, what I want us to look at from the scriptures is, is not just God's power and God's throne, but also how Jesus fits in with all of this. Because I think all of that is so important to understand because Jesus does fit in uh, from the very beginning of creation. You know, there's several passages in the New Testament that talk about how Jesus was there at creation, that he was involved in creation, that, that everything around us was created through him. So, God's power, God's throne, and Jesus. Let's take a look. Let's look at this passage from Psalm 93. Now, this is one among many that talk about God's power and God's throne. Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. 
The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. So this passage right here, this psalm, it begins with talking about this reigning of God, this how the Lord reigns. That has to do with his throne. And we see in verse 2 that his throne has been established long ago. Okay, It's established from all eternity because God is a being that has always existed. He's always going to exist. He is that great I am. And he sits on this throne that's always been. It is firm. It's secure. You know, and whenever we, we look at this, we see that this passage, too, is talking about creation. You know, just like I mentioned before, how that creation shows us God's power and how he is the king of it all. But here, this passage, among many of the different Psalms and other passages in the Old Testament as well, they talk about how God has created everything and that shows his power because he established all these things. But also when you start to look at like verses three and four, you find out that this image that's used is, is very heavy talking about these things of creation. But then, uh, yes, as mighty as the seas might be and as high as they might be able to get and as much problems as these pounding waves might cause us as humans, the thought remains in verse four that God is mightier. The, the Lord on high is mighty. He's mightier than the thunder. He's mightier than the great waters. He's mightier than whatever the sea can throw at him. He's above all of those things. This is the God that we serve. One who has endless power and one who sits on an eternal throne. This is our God. But now I haven't mentioned just yet exactly where Jesus fits into that. Well, I want us to look at a passage that we can easily overlook. And it's that passage about the ascension. You know, whenever we, we think about Jesus, we talk about his death and how when he died on the cross, he died in our place. And he, he took our sins upon that cross he, and he nailed those, the, the punishment and, and allowed us to be able to have freedom on that cross. He was buried and then on the third day, he rose up from the dead. He conquered the grave. He conquered death itself. And all of those things are true. But one thing that we oftentimes overlook is what happened several days after that. And that is that he ascended into heaven. And I think sometimes, I don't know, I guess that might just seem like such a weird story that we just sort of overlook it. But yet it is actually very powerful. And it says a lot about Jesus. And it says a lot about the part that he plays in the power and the throne of God. So let's look at it from the book of Acts. In Acts chapter one, this is how the book starts. It's, of course, Luke who's writing it, and he's continuing on what he's already recorded in the Gospel of Luke. And he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Luke is pretty plain in what he's talking about here. He says, look, in my former book, you know, I wrote about these other things. But then he says, I wrote up until that point, in verse 2, until that day whenever Jesus was taken up into heaven. And then you know that that's going to happen, even though technically in the first five verses you don't even get that just yet, but you know it's coming. And we see that what he then goes into details of is that suffering that Jesus endured. Once again, these things that we would consider as core to the gospel message, which they are, of course. But then we see that, that part of that, after he rose up from the dead, it's also very important to understand this, the, the, uh, the fact that he appeared to many people. That shows us this power that Jesus truly did conquer death. You know, it's not just that he died and that, you know, he, his tomb was found empty. It's the fact that he was alive. That's why his tomb was found empty. You know, after all, just an empty tomb in and of itself there can be a few different explanations for why someone's tomb might be found empty. In fact, there's been a few times throughout history that that has happened for one reason or another. But that's not just what we have with the story of Jesus. With Jesus himself, what we see is, yeah, his tomb was empty. But his tomb was empty because he rose. And he appeared for about a month and a half. He appeared to many people. And he was speaking about this kingdom of God. So even after all of those things about the heart of the gospel, the Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, after all those things had been accomplished, Jesus is still going around. And he's speaking about this kingdom of God. He still is involved talking with people about the power and the throne of God. And we see that what he talks about is, is he tells them that they're going to receive something great. They're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And here's where we truly see, uh, you know, this power of God pick up in the book of Acts, and it's going to continue on throughout the rest of the book. But let's keep looking at the next few verses, and let's see where Jesus actually does ascend into heaven. Verses 6 through 11. Then they gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This passage right here, this ascension of Jesus, is so wonderful. Because in this, we see wrapped up in just a few verses in this one passage, God's power, God's throne, and Jesus all being combined together. Because one of the things that he tells them, they start asking about if the kingdom's going to be restored to Israel in verse 6. And Jesus says, he, he just refocuses them. He says, that, that's not really where you need to be focused. You need to realize, what he says in verse 8, you're going to receive power whenever the Holy Spirit comes. And then after he says these things, and after he gives them this task, then in verse 9, 
We see that he was taken up before their very eyes. They saw him rise up into heaven. And what happened whenever he was raised up into heaven? Well, other passages in the New Testament tell us pretty plainly that he rose up into heaven and he is at the right hand of the Father and he has his own throne. So we see that God's power, God's throne, and Jesus Christ all come together in this ascension passage. Now, of course, we also see another wonderful message right here that Jesus is going to return someday. And we who are Christians, who are following Christ every day of our lives, we are looking forward to that day. We know that that day is going to be a wonderful day. We know that Jesus is going to return at some time in the future. But let's also kind of take a little bit more time because I want to show you one more passage in the scriptures that speak about this power and uh, also this throne and Jesus Christ all being combined together. That's from the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Now this is another uh, one of the, uh, the early uh, apostles, the apostle Paul. And in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, this is what Paul says. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Here is another passage in the New Testament where we see God's power being connected with God's throne and also being connected with Jesus Christ. We see that Paul is writing to this church at Ephesus and he is encouraged uh, by what they are doing and the things that's going on right there. And, and he is also always giving thanks for them and he's praying for them. But then he also says something wonderful about it. Part of his prayer is that they will, they will know this, like verse 19, God's incomparably great power for us who believe. You know, have you ever thought about that? As being a follower of Christ, do you understand how much power you have through Jesus? Do you understand what that looks like? I mean, verse 19, it goes on and it explains that power and how great that power is. It says that power is the same as the mighty strength that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. When you look at this passage, the power that is available to us who believe, it's that same power that raised Christ from the dead. And if that's not enough, it's still that same power that not only raised Christ from the dead, but also seated him at God's right hand. And whenever you start to, to see what all that means, we see that there is no throne, there is no power greater than God's right here. This being able to, to have this power and, and uh, being seated, uh, Christ at the right hand, I mean, 
when you think about that and see this power and the throne of God. It's not just even about the things here on, on this earth. You know, one of the things that's mentioned there in verse 21 is, you know, uh, about how much higher it is and how it's above all these other things, not only in the present age. That means, you know, not only the things in this life, but also in the one to come. So, you know, in the age that is to come, whatever that might be, look, whatever that might look like and however great and however powerful uh, anything you could imagine would be, God and his throne are always going to be more powerful. God is the one who has done all these things. He has exerted his power by raising Christ from the dead, by seating him at his right hand. And that same power is available to us who believe. Now that is good news. That is wonderful news. Let's make sure that we always strive to put our faith in Jesus Christ. To recognize that God has had power from the very beginning and he's going to continue to have that power. Let's also recognize that he has always set upon the highest throne that is ever going to be in existence. And Jesus Christ has been raised and is seated right next to him. And let's also make sure that, that we understand the part that Jesus plays in all of this. Jesus is the way through which we can become a part of the family of God. Jesus has done all these things. I've already kind of mentioned some of that gospel message about what Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection did. But Jesus raised up. He ascended into heaven. And all of this shows this power of God. He is enthroned forever and ever. Our Jesus is the king above all kings. He is to be praised. Let's make sure that we always praise him with the way that we live our lives. Am I fully serving from within? Shall reign.